Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this week's Stacker Chat. My name is Gina Abrams. I'm an early team member with the Stacks Project, and I'm joined by Munibali Stacks founder. Now, the Stacks 2.0 blockchain launched earlier this year, bringing apps and smart contracts to Bitcoin. How are you, Munib? What have you been up to today? I'm good. I was actually, uh, right before this, recording a podcast which was a debate about smart contracts on Bitcoin uh, with the with this uh, guy Ruben, who uh, is on the more extreme end of the spectrum, where he doesn't believe in any other asset other than Bitcoin. So it was, it was definitely a, a interesting debate to have. Excellent. Um, can you share a bit more background on the topic itself and maybe the the stack's position generally? Yeah, so I think this this came out of uh, some Twitter conversations where uh, you know there have been some Twitter discussions about this. Uh, the general theme of these discussions is that you know somebody would be talking about stacks and they would say, "Hey, stacks bring smart contracts to Bitcoin," and then uh, people uh, in so Ruben is kind of like you know one person in that that group of people who are uh, let's just say that who fundamentally don't believe that any other asset other than Bitcoin um, should exist or have value, right? And then some of the comments that you would see would be, oh, but you could do this with Bitcoin uh, without, without any introducing any new asset. And then they would point to uh, designs like uh, you know, space chains, that's uh, an idea that Rupin is working on and so on. And then try to point to some certain uh, uh, potential shortcomings of stacks and so on. And then obviously we will, explain that, hey, no, this is how stacks works. So this is what, what, what the features are. And uh, people thought that, you know, these these Twitter discussions can get lengthy. Uh, so having like a podcast type of a framework uh, could be more interesting. You could, you could dig deeper into some of these ideas. So I think at a high level, uh, one thing that people need to understand is uh, there is almost like a day and night type of a difference between systems like stacks or uh, systems uh, like like space chains because space chains actually don't exist. Uh, not a lot of people know that, but they are uh, paper designs. They're basically like high level ideas that there has been some theoretical work on it, but they haven't been scrutinized. Like for example, in terms of safety or liveness properties or even like building out a real system and then, then uh, stress testing it and then actually testing it in the wild with the mainnet and then seeing what people do there. Right, so it's a, it's a very different type of a comparison. Trying to say, hey, we're trying to compare a paper design with a real system that is live and functional on the main chain, and, and anyone can attack it, and people are using it, and then people are locking up capital, and all the different corner cases of consensus are actually being tested out in the real world. So those are very different things, and I think uh, in general, uh, if 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 folks who kind of like listen to that podcast. Uh, I would say that the uh, arguments there uh, are effectively on the lines of, I think early on, like this was at the starting of the uh, podcast, uh, I think there was some argument about, hey, Stacks chain has its own finality, which is a bad thing. And I was trying to say, that's actually not how Stacks works. Uh, Stacks uh, can have deep reorgs. And they, uh, the way to do it is like, for example, if you're changing the history, like the history of the actual uh, uh, Stacks transactions, you would also have to do a deep reorg of Bitcoin, right? 
there's there's another way uh, that you can potentially attack the chain, and that's if you're trying to win a lot of blocks by spending a lot of money, right? So that's a different type of a thing. But I was I was talking about uh, the case where you're trying to rewrite history, like stacks transaction history, and you would then also have to go and try and rewrite Bitcoin history. And I think we we uh, there was some sort of a confusion there. Well, that I, I tried clarifying a couple of times and often it could become a little bit frustrating as well. But uh, then I, I would say other big points there were, uh, I think there was towards the end of the podcast, there were some potential concerns around, hey, the Bitcoin miners can take over this network and take take all the big Bitcoins and not give it to stackers. That's That's not how the system works. Uh, even if the Bitcoin miners somehow collude, like all of them collude with each other and they're like, you know, only the Bitcoin miners are going to mine on stacks. We're not going to let anybody else mine. They would still have to follow the protocol. They would still have to send Bitcoin to, to, the, to the stacks holders in order to follow the protocol and earn, earn the mining rewards, right? So I think there were, there were a bunch of things like, like that where I think the general theme is that there would be some invalid assumption that uh, Ruben would have, and he would start poking holes using the invalid assumption. And I would basically correct it that, hey, this is this is not how uh, how, how the system works. And I think, uh, yeah, it, it's 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 definitely interesting. And I think uh, people people can uh, uh, listen to the podcast and and hear uh, hear the two sides. Okay, great. Um, we'll be looking out for that then. Um, now, can you tell us a little bit more about the two-way peg problem and how proof of transfer interacts with Bitcoin in a pretty novel way? Yeah, so I think this is this is actually one of the uh, fundamental things that that God discussed as well. That in general, when you're talking about any any chain other than Bitcoin, and you're talking about can you have uh, some sort of a two-way peg where Bitcoin can move to that chain and then come back. That's kind of in a trustless way. That's a very interesting problem and a very hard problem to solve. And in many ways, it's the reverse side of that transfer. Like how do you bring bring Bitcoin back? Or more, more specifically, it's basically how can state on a different chain impact transactions on Bitcoin, right? Because the reverse of that is easier. Uh, you can stacks is, is like that. Stacks actually reads all of the information on Bitcoin. If there is a transaction on Bitcoin that let's say a smart contract was watching out for, there can be a change that is triggered on stacks based on a change on Bitcoin. So that's the that's the one side of it. It's easy. It's live today. It works. Um, the question becomes: How can you do the reverse of that? Can there be some state changes or logic uh, on the stack side? That can actually trigger a change in Bitcoin. And interestingly, uh, proof of transfer (POX) is a mechanism that actually solves that. It's like if you think about all the Bitcoin rewards that people are earning, the logic for that entirely lives on the stack side, right? So it's completely the logic on the stack side. And when people are giving out their Bitcoin addresses, where there is this, the POX smart contract, and people are locking up capital there, that is actually triggering the Bitcoin transactions that people are making uh, to transfer Bitcoins on the Bitcoin chain, right? So that, that I think, is a very interesting, novel, elegant solution uh, to this potential problem, which could be generalized. Like you could have a more general form of uh, POX-like mechanism 
where there, there could be ways where logic on the stacks chain is actually incentivizing people to trigger transactions on Bitcoin. And if they make the transactions the right way, they will get detected uh, by Clarity smart contracts and, and uh, can actually complete those transactions. Awesome. Now, I'm curious if we could dive a little bit deeper into what you were just mentioning. What are some potential applications of that type of logic and some things that might be possible from it? Yes. So I think I... Uh, I had a tweet storm about this where I was talking about a Bitcoin lending application uh, that people can build right now where uh, the Bitcoin stays on the Bitcoin main chain and there's a clarity contract that has some sort of a stable coin, let's say XUSD, that, and that is a work that's in the pipeline. Uh, so you have the stable currency asset as collateral and the smart contract can actually uh, know when Bitcoin uh, was sent out. So let's say I was lending it out. I send a Bitcoin transaction that triggers the start of the timer and the time is in Bitcoin blocks. And the Clarity contract knows how many Bitcoin blocks have passed. Let's say it was like 300 blocks for the loan. And if my Bitcoin doesn't come back on the address that I specified, uh, the Clarity contract would release the collateral to me. Right. So that application is, is basically possible today, people can build it using Clarity contracts and it works, and which is huge, right? I guess Bitcoin lending where your Bitcoin stays on the Bitcoin chain, you don't have to go through any custodian, any wrapped asset, uh, any tax consequences, nothing like that, right? So, so that, that is amazing. But if you do the reverse of that, meaning that now you actually uh, somehow want to have stacks logic that is actually triggering the Bitcoin transactions, right? Over here, what was happening is it was Bitcoin transactions that were triggering the Stacks logic. Now we are talking about the reverse of that, that there is Stacks logic that is going to trigger Bitcoin transactions. So again, different types of, uh, of applications are possible uh, on the reverse side, but to do that, you need uh, this functionality, right? So you need kind of like this ability where some some sort of a stacks logic can actually come in and trigger a Bitcoin transaction. Let's say let's think of something uh, very simple. Let's say there is some sort of a lottery system that you want to build, right? So there is a lottery. People are participating in it, and the winner actually gets a Bitcoin out. So to build something like that, uh, what I mentioned, like if you if you implement the reverse side, which in a way Pux does, right? We just need to generalize it a little bit more. Uh, if you do that and make that programmable then developers can actually write against that system, can actually build out a lottery-like system where the, uh, the logic in that smart contract would actually trigger uh, Bitcoin transactions. Very interesting. Thank you. Now, what is your response to folks that feel that Bitcoin is a one-trick pony? And what other projects are you excited to see launch on Bitcoin? Yeah, so I think this narrative... Um, has gained some legs, right? Like it's a, actually a pretty mainstream type of an argument now because mo most people like they don't um, they don't kind of like operate in the deep side of crypto. Like they're not like you know messing around with hey what's possible, what's not. For most people, like things are just too complicated and they just have a surface level understanding of things. And I do think this narrative has been gaining traction uh, where uh, Bitcoin is like a rock, right? And there are memes around, hey, Bitcoiners have their pet rock, but you know, 
what can you do with a petrock? Like you can just hold it. Um, and then more innovation is happening on Ethereum. I think there's some truth to that for sure. If you look at just the number of developers who are building on top of Ethereum versus other ecosystems, clearly Ethereum is the place where that has the largest amount of developers right now. There are other ecosystems that are also gaining developers, but uh, Ethereum remains kind of kind of like the place where more developers are. And people and these developers, uh, they would they, if you're a new developer and you're just searching online for how to start programming. Uh, you would read material that would say Bitcoin is not programmable. You can't have smart contracts on Bitcoin. And that's why you would go and build on Ethereum or, or, or some other system. And I think that's that's a big misunderstanding that the Bitcoin community actually needs to, A, get clear on internally, like even, even in the Bitcoin community itself, and then uh, clarify that to other folks as well. Because there are so many projects that, that are bringing smart contracts to Bitcoin, Stacks obviously being one of them. Uh, there's RSK. Uh, in some ways, like these federated chains like Liquid uh, also also uh, uh, bring these smart contract functionality. And then they're making different trade-offs, right? So there are different types of uh, trade-offs that they're making, both on the how the blockchain is built and then what type of programming interfaces are available. So on Liquid, it's a federated network, meaning that you're trusting the federation uh, and, and people can't just become miners on that chain. And which is, which is fine if, if that is the type of uh, trade-offs you want to make. And then they have a simplicity, a language in which people can, can try to write uh, smart contracts. On the RSK side, uh, it's merged mine, which means that a subset of Bitcoin miners uh, can mine the, the RSK chain. And, and then uh, they are compatible with EVM, right? So if you want to write Solidity code, you can potentially go and, and take, take a look at RSK uh, around Bitcoin. And then in Stacks, um, it's actually permissionless mining. So anyone can come in, anyone can come in and mine. Uh, all you need is basically run a, run a Stacks node and have some Bitcoin to, to participate in mining. And, and Stacks actually has a new programming language called Clarity, which is a decidable language. So it's, it's fairly expressive. You can pretty much write any anything that you want to write, but uh, you can have a full, precise uh, contracts where you know exactly how much gas fee is being consumed and exactly what the contract can and cannot do uh, before it executes it, right? So in terms of the security of the language, uh, it's very different from Solidity, it's very different from queuing complete languages, uh, and you can have better guarantees for what the programs can and cannot do. But I would say in general, all of these projects combined, and even there are some that I haven't mentioned, uh, like I, I don't think that people realize that all this innovation is happening around Bitcoin and you can have, you know, decentralized finance on Bitcoin or you can have NFTs uh, on Bitcoin very directly. And, and Bitcoin actually has a rich history of interesting things being built on top, like all the way back to Counterparty uh, that had some of the original NFTs or even other merged mine systems like, like Namecoin that was merged mine with Bitcoin that introduced decentralized domains back in 2011. And over time, I think, uh, this narrative of Bitcoin is just a rock and actually you can't have smart contracts around it has somehow gained more traction. And I think I think that's that's actually leading to some misunderstanding out there in the industry. All right. Well, thank you. That's a wrap for today. Um, I hope you enjoyed your time with us. If you enjoyed this chat, please subscribe to the Stacks YouTube channel, channel where we'll be posting further sessions of these uh, Stacker chats. If you want to learn more about Stacks, head over to stacks.co. 
And we're going to be tuning back in next week. If you'd like for us to cover specific topics or questions, um, definitely feel free to reach out. We'll have info down in the description below. And please feel free to get in touch. Thank you. Thanks.